It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. It is another installment of J.C. and Morgan, number 168, if you're scoring at home. J.C. and Morgan presented by Blue Delta Jeans, and we are glad to uh, crank it back up. I know we had a little bit of time off with media days and vacation and uh, everything else, but there's a lot to talk about. I mean, that's the beauty of this time of year now. College football is truly a 12-month out-of-the-year sport, and a guy who covers it 12 months out of the year is one of our guests uh, today. He is Matt Berry of uh, ESPN. You know him from a, a number of things. It might take me a few minutes to get through this bio here. Uh, the host of College Football Final, which if you're a college football fan, that's like it's an automatic. You're watching college football final. He's also the voice of Thursday night football. You can catch him again every Thursday night. Good slate of games this year. Uh, anchoring Masters, U.S. Open. I know I'm missing probably some things, but his name is yeah, Matt you forgot, Berry. You forgot the full time job, Sports Center, Tuesday. Oh, I'm getting uh, to that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm getting it. I mean, yes. That's that's actually what put you on the map at ESPN. Yeah, if, if ESPN finds out you left out Sports Center, they'll probably get rid of me. Right, that's right, that's right. No, Sports Center is the reason why he is uh, coming to us from Hartford, Connecticut, uh, not too far from Bristol, because that is the spot. And yes, you can catch him on Sports Center. Uh, and again, I lose ta- uh, track of everybody's schedule, but you're on the noon installment every Monday I'm on Friday, the new, right? Yeah, noon Eastern installment, noon to two ESPN. And then when football season starts, I'll do two days a week. I'll do Tuesday, Wednesday, okay, noon Eastern. And then I'll hop a quick flight to wherever the Thursday night football game is after the show Wednesday. Right. I'll call Thursday night college football. I'll hop a flight Friday morning to get back in studio for Friday night college football and do it all day Saturday, and we'll just repeat that for about 15 weeks. And it's, it's look, it's we, we all work extra hard in the fall, but we all love it. It's a labor of love, right? And, and I, I certainly was not going to omit Sports Center, but I think one of the things that people love about you is they can tell your passion for college football. Like it comes through. And, and just uh, full disclosure, the three of us all know each other one way or another, but uh, we were all in Columbia, South Carolina. That's right. During the same time, there was, a, there was an overlap there. OK, I mean, I was doing Gamecock games in a talk show. JC was doing uh, uh, well, he's recruiting analyst, among other things, for ESPN and a, uh, a talk show. And Matt was doing a talk show and weekend anchoring at a local affiliate. So we, were, we all crossed paths during the time Steve Spurrier was getting it rolling at South Carolina. We all left right before the magical run of Spurrier. We saw the building block. So there's your crossover. So let me, let me jump off there and, and, and ask you, how did that experience kind of influence you today? I mean, I, I hear you dropping barnyard references every so often, and mm. you, you, you're never shy about mentioning your time following uh, the Gamecocks and working at Columbia. But, but how did that experience overall help you out today? Yeah, you know, I I got there July of 2005, right when Spurrier took the job. It was right before his first season there as head coach of South Carolina. And at that point, going into that job, I had already been in a Big Ten market. I was in small town, Wisconsin. I covered the Wisconsin Badgers. Then I had already been in Big 12 country uh, with Oklahoma. Bob Stoops, they went to -to back-to-back BCS National Championship games. Les Miles was at Oklahoma State. 
I grew up a Pac-10, Pac-12 guy. So I was mm -hmm. Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12. And so the SEC was really that last market I hadn't been to that you combine Clemson and the ACC. And so it was big just to, just to be in a, in a town and a program to see Steve Spurrier. Look, it was his intro back into college coaching. You know, he, uh, he went Florida, built that into a powerhouse, didn't work out with the then Washington Redskins. So he was coming back in. And so it was, mm -hmm. it was good to be able to be in the sec footprint one, to see if the stories were true about the SEC. Hmm. They are. And two, to get access to see how Steve Spurrier can build a program. Yeah, I, it was a lot of fun to watch that. Again, we were all gone just before. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to cover that time frame. And again, we were all gone by, uh, by the time Spurrier started that run of three consecutive 11-win seasons. But we saw the frustrations early on. I mean, it was palpable. It's like Steve was like, oh, my goodness, uh, my work is cut out for me here. He would say some things that sometimes would rub fans the wrong way. You know, I remember a close game against Auburn and the fans were applauding and Steve's like, we don't applaud losses yeah. around here. We don't know? do, we don't do moral victories. We don't do moral victories around here. I mean, you know, and he had different quarterback situations, but in, in true hall of fame coach style, uh, just like he did everywhere else with Duke, with Florida and with South Carolina, he, he was the high watermark. He turned that program uh, and he gave them their best run ever. So you know, that was um, that was a time frame that obviously was instrumental for you for a number of reasons. But I, yeah. I want to go back to something I initially said. You are a sports center anchor is obviously a huge, huge gig. And, and you are one of the uh, and I'm not just saying this because you're on here. I mean, I, I think you're one of the most talented guys that does that. Right. I, I mean, I just appreciate that. Uh, it's just, it's, it's your style. I mean, and again, I got a sneak peek of it just listening to your radio show. Right. You know, I didn't watch a lot, a lot of local sports, quite honestly, in Columbia. I'm sure you did great work there, but I, I listened to your show. It was a midday show and I was doing afternoons and like, it was just, it was different. It was entertaining. Hilarious. You've always had a quick wit about you, but, but you could also notice the passion for college football. So your average fan I think it kind of makes the same, I don't want to say mistake that I did, but, but puts your priorities uh, in, in that unique order. Like they think, yeah, the sports center is great. He's great. But he's like, he's one of us. He's a college right. football guy. Do you and that's right. That? Yeah, that's right. And I, that's how I want, I want it to be. Um, you know, that's, that's always been my uh, career path, you know, growing up in, in Arizona and Scottsdale, Arizona, you know, we didn't have an NFL team until about 87, 88. And then even then for about five years, we didn't have an NFL team. And so my parents, we grew up with season tickets to Arizona state. So all I knew was college football, you know, right. ASU always played their games at night. So I grew up watching Notre Dame during the day. Mm -hmm. So I grew up watching Notre Dame during the day. I had the number three Jersey, the Notre Dame, number three Jersey, Notre Dame football was my daytime. Arizona state football was my nighttime. Then when you get into some of these small market jobs coming out of college, the, a lot of them are college towns and college focused. Mm -hmm. And so when I got to ESPN, I knew that at some point I got to ESPN from Dallas. I was in the Dallas market for five years yeah. traveling with the Cowboys. And so then it was all NFL, but I knew that going to ESPN, I wanted to get back into college somehow. And so my second fall there, fall of 2014, I got to ESPN in February, 2013, um, I followed 2014. There was a college football podcast. Um, and I started hosting that with Ivan Mazel. And so we did that for a fall. 
and the following fall, fall of 15. So because the, they knew I, they knew I loved college football. I, you met some people, Hey, would you be interested in this? Yes, I would. So then fall of 15, the, the podcast college football podcast parlayed into college game day radio on mm-hmm. ESPN. Right. And so I was the host of college game day radio there and we would take that show on the road. And so we'd be at all these different markets um, for, for the game that college game day radio chose. Sometimes it was in conjunction with college game day TV. Other times it was just our own uh, market, our own choice for sponsorship reasons, just that and the other. And mm-hmm. so, so there you go. 14 podcast, 15 college game day radio fall of 15 was also when sports center started going on the road. Mm-hmm. And there was one week where college game day radio, we were in Tuscaloosa. It was when Mississippi state was number one with Dak mm-hmm. Prescott, mm-hmm. Mississippi state number one with Dak Prescott, Alabama was number three. So we happened to be there college game day, radio college game day, TV sports center on the road. And at this point, I'm still kind of working my way up through the sports center chain. Anyway, long story short, the guy running sports center at the time, uh, came up to me because the normal weekend sports center anchor had a vacation and couldn't change it. So he, the, the boss of sports center is like, Hey, one of my sports center anchors is actually hosting college game day radio. Hey, Matt, can you fill in Friday, Saturday morning sports center on the road from Tuscaloosa, then go do radio. He, yeah, I can no problem. Yeah. And from there it turned into, me getting weekend mornings when we took sports center on the road for two years. I think we probably made a total of 20 something campus visits. Um, and that really, that, that day, that Tuscaloosa day kind of changed my trajectory at ESPN in terms of college football. I've been on the college football host with Jesse and Joey now for four years. Um, the play by play things even funnier. I never wanted to do play by play. It was never, I just, I loved being a studio host. Mm-hmm. And I was out at Arizona state for a Thursday night game against Stanford in 2018. Um, they were doing some thing on me at halftime. And so I was out there for that and we go out the night after the game. All right. So you're going to go out at Arizona state. Everybody's having fun. Oh yeah. There's a three hour time difference. My phone rings. It's one of my ESPN bosses. I'm just kind of a little out of it. We had just gone to bed a few hours before. Like I, I look at the phone. He's like, Hey Matt, uh, I, I won't say the name. You, you know who it is. Yeah. You would know if I said it. And he goes, Hey, uh, and he knew uh, at this point, he knew I was a big college football guy. And we had, you know, loosely talked about some stuff. He's like, Hey, listen, I, I, I've got this hole in our midweek maxing schedule. We got, I got a hole. I, I got to fill a couple of these midweek Mac games. You interested in doing play by play? I'm like, sure. What the hell? Why not? I'll, I'll do it. M- mind you, I'm, I'm half asleep. I went out right. the night before later that day. I'm like, what did I just commit to? I've never done play by play in my life. Right. And so I do two years in midweek action, become addicted to it. Absolutely mm-hmm. addicted to play by play. As you know, it's one of the, it's love the, it. It's the best thing in sports. And so now I can't imagine not doing it. It's just so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things that hit home for me. Having done a lot of midweek action. Like I remember my first Wednesday night Mac game with Tom Luganville and it's at Kent state. It's sure. like eight degrees and you know, it's just a different vibe altogether. And, uh, and I've called a, a Thursday night Arizona state game against Oregon. It was my first trip ever to Arizona state. Was that and the every- Mike Norvell offensive coordinator game where they, 
That was a shootout, wasn't it? It was a shootout. It went into either double or triple. Yeah, that was Norvell was the OC at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh, your old SID gave me the whole tour of like the Pat Tillman exhibit mm-hmm. and and, and it Mark took Brand. Me the, yeah, yeah. It took me to the bowels of the stadium and uh, and everything you say about the nightlife. Yes, is one hundred percent true. There, there's a lot of things to like about that campus mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know that was my indoctrination because I'd, I'd called a game in virtually every conference but the Pac-12. And then later I had a, I, I, that's not true. I had a game at Colorado when they were in the Pac-12, but it never felt like a Pac-12 game. It was like Utah-Colorado, and I'm, I'm saying I'm calling a Pac-12 game. That didn't feel like a Pac-12 game. Um, but th- there's a couple of leagues that we sometimes overlook, and you know, this is not just an SEC podcast. Obviously, we talk a lot of SEC football on it, but you and I ran into each other, I'm pretty sure, at Big 12 media days years ago in Dallas because yeah. I was doing big 12 games on Fox. Laura Rutledge was our sideline reporter. It's kind of funny how that all worked out. Um, and I think to back then in 2012, 2013, where the big 12 was, where it is now, I look at the PAC 12, where it was then. And as a kid growing up and watching, you know, PAC 12 after dark. And I loved it. Like a PAC 12 football, JC and I've talked about it. Like it's, it's cool. It's different. It's, it's fun to watch. It's different spots. If you've been to that part of the country, you know it's a special place. Are they as passionate about college football as SEC? Not exactly, but it's still damn cool. So I'm curious for you, an Arizona State guy who, who grew up in that part of the country, how sad it is to see the Pac-12 hitting iceberg after iceberg and trying to stave off extinction. You look at that, and then you look at the Big 12, another league you covered that's in a state of flux. What do you make of the current scenario of those two leagues? Yeah, it you, it's hard to describe when you know that USC and UCLA have been a part of the Pacific Coast Conference since the 1920s. Mm-hmm. You know, the 19, 1920s, over 100 years or right around 100 years that USC and UCLA have been two of the foundation schools and teams in that league. And to have it get picked apart by this day and age in college football, I guess it hadn't hit home because it hadn't hit me yet in terms of, you know, Texas and Oklahoma that hit that region. Those fans obviously loved of Texas and Oklahoma loved going to the sec, but then the Oklahoma States and the TCUs will go, what about us? And Texas A&M had done it a couple of years before, a few years prior. So it's hard because I don't know if the PAC 12 is going to be around much longer. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you look at some of the reports out there and I know they're just reports and things are going to get leaked and everybody's got their opinion. If the big 10 does take the upper four, Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford, then that leaves Oregon state, Washington state. What's to be of them. And then regionally, ASU, Arizona, Colorado, Utah makes sense in the Big 12. So there's eight teams right there. The other two are already gone to the Big 10. So that leaves you Oregon State, Washington State. Things done. Mm -hmm. And it's inevitable that something bad is going to happen to a conference with so much history. I mean, the Rose Bowl and the Coliseum and just that whole West Coast corridor Man, it was great growing up with that type of football. It's completely different than anything I know now, just based on my stops through local TV and what I do now at ESPN. But it's still where I'm from, and it's still what I know. And it, yeah, they don't they don't pack 110,000 people, and they're not tailgating the way they tailgate in the South. But it, it was it was my way of football, and I and I loved it. 
Yeah, man, 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 do, 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 I, I've always liked the Pac-12 because every t- uh, program in that league at one point or the other has been good. Uh, Oregon State under Dennis Erickson went 11-1. and one. Yeah. One year beating Notre Dame uh, in, in the Fiesta Bowl. Fiesta Bowl, I mean, yeah. It, uh, Washington State's been to Rose Bowls, and uh, uh, those seem to be the two that are going to get left out. Um, you know, do you think that's healthy for the game, though, to take an entire coast of the country and, and, and uh, kind of split it up and uh, dice it up and, and, and send it all east in, in different parts? No, I, I, I candidly, I don't think a lot of what's going on is healthy for the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't. I understand change and I understand the whole, well, if you're not on board with change, you better because it's happy. I get that, but it doesn't mean it's all necessarily healthy for the sport. I mean, you, do you think that I think that USC traveling to Rutgers is healthy for the sport or UCLA and Penn state while these are good non-conference games, maybe the first couple of weeks of the season to get your college football juices flowing fine. But there's a difference between that and then trying to align yourself and try to sell people on this is my conference. So regional college football is done. It's done. There's no more regional alliance. Yeah, I would say 80% of each conference is regionally aligned. But then every day there's a new report. I I think there was a report out the other day that said the Big Ten was eyeing Florida State and Miami. and So that's done. And so I just don't know that where we're headed is the way the way we're headed where we're headed i just don't know that that's the best thing for what makes this sport great what was it that made college football great the pageantry the rivalries the regional ties i remember growing up going to asu and then even growing up before that there was nothing better than making the road trip to the coliseum or making the road trip to the rose bowl for when asu played there or when the USC band had the nerve to come into ASU and Sun Devil Stadium and play that annoying ass song for four hours. <laughs> like that stuff is just good and it's gone. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be different. And, I, and I'm with you. You know, you, you hear people talk about that. And this gets into and I promise we wouldn't ask about NIL, so I'm not going to do it. But when, it get, when you hear people talk about NIL and unlimited transfers and free agency, and it's always that guy who's not even a big college football fan. It's like, well, I mean, it's good enough for the pros and better get used to it. But I don't have to like it. Like, I don't have to think it's good for the sport because I don't. I get it. We all have to adjust. I get it. The, the sport is clearly evolving right before our eyes. Uh, and you and I are in an industry in, in television that is instrumental in that. So we can't, we can't bite the hand that feeds us entirely either. Uh, I thought a natural, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I thought a a natural solution for the PAC 12 and the big 12 who have both been poached here. Uh, and I, that's a wrong term to use because at the end of the day, the sec doesn't need to poach anybody. And really the big 10 doesn't need to, those schools show up at the front door of those leagues and those leagues would be dumb to say no. Right. It's not a true poaching situation. Uh, but when I heard that news, I was like, okay, the only way the Pac-12 can survive and the only way the Big 12 is going to be as relevant as it wants to be is to merge. And I get it. It's, geographically, it's not good. It's countered everything you just said, Matt. But sometimes you just got to make the best of a bad situation. Well, it's better than the Big 10 situation. With, mm-hmm. with, when, the, see, when you look back now, when, when people got very ambitious with conference realignment and expansion, does anyone, anyone associate Rutgers and Maryland in the Big Ten. 
So that expanded their footprint into an area that they didn't belong. And so now, because now, so they've got all that, they've got the I-95 corridor and then they go all the way left to the, to the PAC 12. The problem was when they started getting over into the East coast that made that thing just wonky to begin with. I still don't understand Rutgers and Maryland fine, but now you've got the West coast. And now to your point, regionally, Colorado, Arizona State, Utah, Arizona make perfect sense in the Big 12. It's all right there, but it recruits Texas there. And while to the eye, that doesn't look good. Right now, based on some of the way these other conferences are aligned, I mean, that looks great. Yeah. But yeah, I'm with you. Why not combine and make a 20-team a league? And, and I don't know. I, I can't answer for how these guys are making these decisions because you just look and you're like, well, you're telling me the basketball team midweek is going to travel to UCLA basketball is going to travel to Rutgers and Maryland. And it's, it's, it's odd. I th- I think this is my own theory. And I've talked about this on the podcast. I think where we are headed is that c- clearly geography just doesn't matter much anymore. Correct. I mean, even, even if it's quote unquote contiguous, you know, it, it, all the, all the States are, touching one another <laughs> it still doesn't change the fact like it's a pretty long haul for texas uh to visit south carolina like it's you know yeah. but but i think eventually if we get to enough teams we could break it up into divisions and particularly in like the olympic sports and, and sports where you're not playing just 12 games a year you're not going to see that other division until maybe a championship or a, a conference tournament so that would eliminate for example the rutgers basketball team traveling to Southern Cal every year. I don't know right. if we're actually going to see that once these leagues get approached, you know, near, near the 20 number, but uh, it, it looks like for whatever reasons, the big 12 and the PAC 12 cannot agree to, to merge. And so uh, we're, we're just watching both those conferences kind of swimming upstream and, and just trying to make the best of a uh, less than great situation. Are you a playoff expansion guy? I wasn't at first. Um, and then during the pandemic year, I called, I think three rounds of the FCS playoffs. Yeah. Good play by play for that. And I loved it. I'm like, this Love is it. good. This is really good. And so I've adopted more of a, uh, tolerance for that conversation. I still think there's going to be the difference between the right amount of teams and too many teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, candidly, I could probably name you the four teams or five teams that are going to make the college football playoff this year. We all can. Is that fun? Is that fun? Probably not. (laughs) Um, So if you add some more teams, you know, is Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, Clemson, Oklahoma, are those teams still going to vie for it? Yeah. But they're going to have to go one step further to get there. Mm -hmm. And you might end up with the same three national champions every damn year. You you might, but at least they'll have to go through one more round to earn that. What does that do to the bowl system? I'm a big bowl guy. That's how we grew. That's how I grew up in college football. Mm-hmm. What does that do to the bowl games? I think those are already tarnished because of the playoff, these kids opting out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's you got to have to wrap my head around the college football that I grew up with in the eighties and nineties, isn't coming back. And you know, we'll go from there, but yeah, yeah I think now 12 teams, I think would be a good number. Um, 16 teams, I think is too many. So, Agreed. you know, we'll see. Yeah, I, I think you and I had bowl games on the first day 
uh, December 17th. I had the Cure Bowl at night. You had the Bahamas Bowl, right? I had the Bahamas Ooh. Bowl, yeah. Yeah, so you, you, got a, you got a free trip to the Bahamas. I got a free trip to uh, downtown Orlando. You, you got to go to the Bahamas. Um, clearly, I've got to change agents. Uh, <laughs> but no, it, it, what, what, I, what I was driving at with that is that those two bowl games, if you were watching on, I think it was December 17th, uh, they're not marquee teams, right? I mean, I had uh, Coastal Carolina, which has kind of become a, a great story, and, and Northern mm. Illinois. And I can't remember the, the, the teams you had. Who did you have in your Bahamas I Bowl? I had Toledo. A little Maction. Yeah, God, now I'm drawing a blank. I, I, I shouldn't have put you on the spot. I, 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 know, I, I think I had Toledo, remember. Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee State. Yeah, I think mid- middle. Oh, yeah. I think I Middle think, Tennessee was in that. I should know I think that. that's right. Because I was watching some of it at the hotel, getting ready for my game. But where I was getting at with all that is that the the thing I loved about those bowl games, and obviously we all love the big the big playoff games. Yeah, Middle, Middle Tennessee Toledo. I'm, yeah, I, was yeah, like, that, I can't Stockstill be that and, uh, yeah, no, Well, it's, it feels like forever ago. Candle and Stocks are the head coaches, right? So, but what I love about those games and what I came on the air with is that here's what you're going to love about this game: no opt outs. Yep. No lack of motivation. Like, so if you're an SEC team or if you're a, I don't know, Big Ten team and you're playing in the Outback Bowl, depending on the trajectory of your season, you might not be all in. I mean, we unfortunately, that's just where we are right now in college football with tier two bowl games. The tier one speaks for itself. You're playing for a national championship. You can't get motivated for that. That's on you. But the, those tier three games are some of the most exciting because all those kids are t- like it, it totally means something. So I don't want to lose that. But I do think, though, by expanding to 12, again, going back to your Pac-12 ties, it's going to be – I don't want to use the word inclusive because sometimes it's, a, it's just kind of a, <laughs> yeah. a, a, just a silly word. But That's a buzzword. Yeah. But, but basically what it does is it allows more teams to have their seasons relevant that they've got something to play for. Yeah. So that's the part of it I like. I used to be – you're never going to get me past eight, eight – uh, playoff, 18 playoff. And when they said 12, I was like, don't even look, I don't even want to look at it. I don't want to hear it. If it, if they do it, they do it, but I'm not going to support it. And then I read the, you know, the devils in the detail and I looked at it and I was like, damn, like they, this actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. You got the top six conference champions. You've got six uh, at, at large. large. You've got the buys. You've got, you've got the Notre Dame situation figured out. Like it, it was the perfect plan and then all of a sudden, the SEC adds Oklahoma and Texas, and all the other leagues are like, well, nah, 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 nah. We're now we're not going to support it. So I, I think we missed a golden opportunity there. Yeah, well, and then by missing that opportunity, that's when all the expansion happened. So you put the playoff mm-hmm. expansion on hold. I think the contract runs through 2024, I think, with ESPN. I think that's right. what it is. I think 24. And then that talk will resume then. But there, I just there isn't a perfect way – to solve the bowl games, I've always said, well, now you can say that's the one thing NIL could do to help the sport. Because mm-hmm. if you're getting NIL money from me, then you'll play every game, including the bowl game. Because what was the argument against playing in the bowl game? Well, NFL money. Well, now you're getting paid. Right. Now you've got some pretty good money coming in. So if I'm going to give you check one, two, or three, then you're here from game one to the end of the bowl game. And then we'll see you later. Cause that's the other argument with NIL. Well, if you want the 
college players to be paid like pros when guess what? They're going to have to sign contracts like pros. Mm-hmm. You can't have it all. Do you want the money? Great. You can get the money, but then you're going to have to get the commitment to stay. And so we got too far in the sport with, you know, some, some agitated folks about players not being played because the coaches get paid too much. Well, the coaches are adults. They went, they, they're pros. The NCAA screwed this up a long time ago because the stipend of what these kids were getting was, it was a joke. We could have fixed this a long time ago and upping this stipend for players. So where they weren't living, like they weren't doing anything and they do make a lot of money for the university. So they mm-hmm. deserve something, but we went from deserving something to getting everything and having almost more leverage than NFL players. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. that's, like the foundation of this thing was the foundation of the thing was, was for good. Hey, can Spencer Rattler, should Spencer Rattler be able to go sign his autograph for money? Well, absolutely. It's his autograph. It's his mm-hmm. name, image, and likeness. That was the foundation of what it was supposed to be to what it is now. NCAA butchered this thing from start to finish. And now this is the world we're living in. And the coaches will say they like it. They don't like it. They hate it. Can't stand it. No, yeah, yeah, because it's, it's pay for play. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> You can call it what you will, and I know a lot of people hate Lane Kiffin, uh, <laughs> but he's not—he's not a thousand percent wrong, and neither was Nick Saban in some nope. of the things he said. And the problem is the NCAA has no teeth anymore, so they're not going to be able to fix this. We, we have to rely on Congress to fix it. Good luck uh, with that. And, and can you believe this? I mean, the NCAA's grand solution to all this with transfer portal and everything—I uh, was stunned uh, last week. Uh, the committee apparently recommended, all right, uh, you know, you have the one-time transfer rule now. And, and apparently they said, you know what? We just need to have unlimited transfers yeah. every year. I'm like, I, I, I was astonished. I'm like, really? That, that, that's, that's your solution? I but just you know chose what? not to dignify that with a response because I'm like, you know what? If, they're like, if, they, they're, if they can't see the problem with this current situation and then don't think that that would cause any more problem, then I, I can't help them. I, I, I honestly think, again, they've become so feckless that they just looked at it and said, we don't want to lose another case in court. We got dunked on the last time by the Supreme Court. If we try to limit the amount of transfers, someone's going to sue, and we don't want to go through that again. So they just put their hands up and said, all right, do whatever you want. Transfer as much as you want. Take as much money from, uh, from whoever you want. Like, we're done. Like, I really think they're like the parent with the kid who just continually broke the rules, and no matter what yeah. you did, it wasn't going to work. You could ground them. You could take away their allowance. And there's like, you know what? Just, just go ahead, join a gang, do whatever you do, whatever the hell you want. <laughs> We're out of this. And I, I really think that's where we are right now. So we, we can't as much as the NCAA dropped the ball and was inept and competent, so wrong on so many things for so many decades. Like now we have to find a new villain because they're just, they're like the substitute teacher. They don't really do much anymore for the sport. The people that control the sport, are the major conferences that we're talking about in the, in the conference commissioners and so on and so forth. And that's why we're looking at perhaps breaking away from the, the you know, the NCAA model completely. And, he, and here's what I, I don't like. And I, and we've had to fall victim to this on sports center. I think I've had about seven coaches on the last two and a half weeks from their respective media days. And I have to ask the question. I don't like asking the question, but I will say this. It's hard. It's easy to get, go down this negative spiral with college football because there's so much going on. I can't wait Thursday night, September 1st, backyard brawl, 
Pitt, right. West Virginia. Like yeah. I can't wait for the games because ultimately when, when we get on the field, we're just, we're talking ball, right. football's being played. And I hope that within all of that, once we get playing football, I hope that some of the other stuff just goes away to the administrative season, which is right now after the bowl games, January 11th, the 12th national championship, there's recruiting. We hop into all that. Then there's the administrative season. All the other stuff goes down. I'm just glad that we're moving out of that portion of the calendar that we're only yes. a few weeks away from where we can actually talk final scores in, in actual football. Cause I yeah, still no love doubt. it. I absolutely still love it. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I I've maintained that this has been one of the most unorganized sports, whether it's college or pro in the history of time. I mean, we had split yes. national champions. We, we the for AP a, naming the AP, team. the UPI, the BCS. I mean, you think <laughs> of all the things that this sport has suffered from and survived through because at the crux of it, three guys like us and millions of other people across the country just love it so damn much that it doesn't matter how much it's a rudderless ship. It doesn't matter how, how many issues are plaguing it. We're still going to be there every Saturday. That's right. And we're going to watch games, and we're going to watch you and, and Galloway and Palmer uh, uh, on Saturdays, chopping it all up and going through highlights and going through the great stories and going through Heisman moments and so on and so forth. Uh, I'll, so I'll mention one other slightly negative thing, and then I want to get to that positive stuff that you just alluded to. I said on this podcast a couple of years ago, and I hope other people notice this, you were a very refreshing voice in a time where many of the national people that cover this sport were telling you, if you play college football in 2020, then it's a great injustice. And they were doing everything they can to set up a, a scenario where we, we were going to cancel the season. And some people say, well, how big a deal would that be? So we suffer through one year of not having millions upon millions of dollars would have been lost for universities that can't afford to lose millions and millions of dollars. I, I mean, there's some programs like a UCLA that are still trying to recover from that. Uh, and, and you were one guy that's that kind of even on Twitter took on some of these guys. And I remember texting you one time. I just said like, thank you, Matt. And you're like, <laughs> and you were like, yeah, Mike, I've had enough too. It was just like, did, did, did you not just get the vibe? Like some of these guys I, I, and gals, I don't know where it came from, but it just felt like they were so ready uh, to just pack it up and go home when you didn't need to do that. Yeah, it, it was the, um, you had to take seriously what was going on, but you also had to take seriously what would have happened had there been no football. Um, there was, I, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, but I know that these universities have some of the best in the world at any university. And what people weren't understanding was that college kids, by and large, weren't affected by it. I texted numerous coaches. Tech coaches were texting me. They're like, Matt, 85% of our teams already had it. Right. Like, we already had it. Like, we'd already went through our locker room. This was before any decisions were made. So they were a go. Most of the coaches had already had it. And what most universities and people outside of the college football realm don't want to understand. And this was the whole point. A lot of what you get at your school is because of your revenue generating football program, right? That's it. You're at Ohio state. I'm sure you got a nice endowment and it's a great school, but the Ohio state football program brings in a lot of money for your university, Michigan, Alabama, 
all of these, you get rid of that revenue generator, it's going to be a problem for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's not like people were saying, be irresponsible about it. There was a responsible way to do it. I just felt that going to that level so quickly without even talking to medical people within the university and these players and coaches without even talking about it was, was a bit much. Now I'm glad everybody saw that there was a way to do it. I think that season wasn't great because there weren't fans in the stands. It was just weird calling games, but ultimately at the end of the day, you have to find a way to do things responsibly. And I thought that the irresponsible thing to do was just blanket cancel everything Mm -hmm. without even having a conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And again, it was, it was a refreshing take and look, your your typical sports center anchor is not going to throw their hat in the ring on that anyway. Right. Because well, I, no, you, you got to be careful. I had Herbie on a bunch. We have these other people on there like, Hey, let's find a way to play. Like there's a way to right. do it. No one's saying throw these kids into danger. Right. But when you, when you, when you're talking with players and coaches, like the whole locker rooms had it like, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's just... what, that's what changed my thought on it. When I knew that people that were saying cancer didn't know what was going on within individual programs. Sure. Sure. Um, Let's talk about the show with Galloway and Palmer. First yeah. off, I think America wants to know just how good looking a man is Jesse Palmer. Yeah, it sucks sitting next to him for 16 <laughs> hours every Saturday. I'm like, dude, like, let me have a little bit of this, right? Uh, yeah, he's, but he, what, one thing people don't know about Jess, he is the, the prepared, doesn't even begin to describe how prepared he is. He's got a notebook of little tiny handwriting notes on every single team in the country. The dude is so prepared, mm-hmm. um, sharp. sharp, well-dressed, host the bachelor. I, I really don't like him to be honest yeah, with you. And I'm I like, dude, how many, him. how many jobs do you need? <laughs> so, it, you know, there's always the, there's always the Palmer night of the, 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 cause Joe, we're there. We get there at 1130 every Saturday and we leave at 2:30 AM on Sunday. Wow. So that's our Saturday. So we spend a lot of time together. So we all yeah. know each other's quirks, habits, temper tantrums. It's all there. Yeah. But you guys have a blast doing it. And you, we and love it. You brought up a key point. What people don't see is all the interaction off camera, whether it's a commercial break or whether it's uh, just a little time off between a game or what have you, is that that's it's three of you. There's not probably a ton of people in the building at that time, I, I imagine, right? when you're in studio and not on site and you're going to interact with each other. You're going to talk about stuff and you get, you better hope you get along. Yeah. And we, we sit there all day. We sit cause we do all the half times and pregame show post game shows. So mm-hmm. we're there watching games together from noon till pack 12 after dark. Right. And so we eat lunch together. We eat dinner together. We're sitting there watching games for the entire day together um, and in between doing halftime and pregame shows. Yeah, it's going to test it's going to test your compatibility uh, in every sense. I think the thing that we love about college football as much as anything is when you have one of those Saturdays where just all kinds of crazy, you know, what happens? Is there like a top three like like you're sitting there in the studio and oh, snap, this just happened. Let's get the highlights ready and let's talk about this. Something happened. God, it, there's, there's been so many of them now. Uh, I think Alabama, Texas A&M was a big one mm-hmm. uh, when Calzada and, and A&M somehow got that win. I mean, they played the, the team that won that day was, I think, the team that a lot of us expected throughout the year. Um, then there was near misses, you know, 
the Iron Bowl, where I thought Auburn was going to end Alabama's season. Uh, the Coach O send-off. I'm just going based on last year, some of the memories mm-hmm. that I have. Yeah. There were so many good ones where there's a no-brainer come college football final. It's like, this is our lead. And we typically find – we try to find one or two games where we'll have Jesse and Joey talk about it because ultimately at the end of the day on, on, on final, we're just trying to get to as many highlights across the country as we can. Mm-hmm. But then there's two or three games that need to have a conversation. The big 12 championship game was absolutely remarkable where they got yeah. to stop right at the end. So, you know, we, we know by the time we go on what the discussion point's going to be. And then there are some Saturdays where I'll just come on camera with all three of us. And I'll say, this is one of those Saturdays that we've been waiting for mm-hmm. this happened, this happened, this happened. Let's get to it because it was just one of those landmark days in college football. And you typically, if you look at the 13, 14 week schedule, you can ID maybe three or four a season where you're just like, what in the hell just happened? Right. And they, and it's every year. I mean, it's going to, you know, you never know what week it's going to be, but you know, it's going to happen. What, what are some of the, cause you're a host, you play the role of host, but you also have opinions that you're not sure about giving, uh, excuse me, not shy about giving on the show, maybe some heated debates, whether it's something as simple as the Heisman Trophy winner or we'll something. do that. Yeah, we yeah. I, Joey and I'll get into a, a argument here and there. We there was a bowl game opt outs. I think it was, you know, what he and I'll get into it about. Um, but we tend to see the same on that. I think NIL was a, a pretty passionate discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just it, there we were not afraid to go back and forth at each other. Right. I mean, cause that's what college football is right Yeah. Now those yeah. are the opinion guys, but I, I, I try to stay as much in the fairway as a host as I can, but I think also a good host isn't a robot and can give an opinion. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of the, just the way I'd approach it. Now when I'm calling a game, I don't give an opinion but I'm a studio guy calling football. I'm not a trained play-by-play guy. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a different way to go about it. And I think now I just, I, it's just, it's an approach that I've, I've, I've taken to this point where I think it's been pretty successful. And I, and I know when not to give an opinion and I know when to, and I know when to be a host and I know when to do some of the other stuff that's, that's traditionally formatted. Well, and again, I think credibility comes from like how, how permissible is a Matt Berry opinion? Well, here's a guy who loves the sport, who's covered it in multiple markets, who's spent his whole life as a college football fanatic. I think fans pick up on that and they actually want to hear your opinion. I don't care if you played college football or not. Your opinion still is credible to me. And I think a lot of people look at it that way. Uh, wrapping things up with Matt Berry, ESPN. Things you're looking forward to the most this season. I mean, you mentioned you got a great game off the bat, the backyard brawl, but just things, whether you're involved or not, about 2022, in spite of the fact it's a lot of predictability, as we talked about at the top, Mm -hmm. but what are some of the storylines you're looking at? Well, I I look at at a number of them. One, you know, Brian Kelly at LSU. How's that going to fit? You just assume you're going to see him by touchdown Jesus on Saturdays, (laughs) and now he's in the South. How's that going to be a fit? I think it's going to be good, but we'll see. Uh, Scott Frost is a coach that a lot of people have ID'd has been on the hot seat. Can he finally turn it around? If Scott Frost can't do it, then who can right at Nebraska? So that, that's one I'm watching. Cause I really, really want him to succeed. Are the two favorites really going to end up playing Ohio state and Alabama? I mean, those two teams, CJ Stroud, Bryce young, those are the two Heisman front runners. 
is this going to be the year where they continue to just dominate the sport? DJ Uyunglele at Clemson. He's gotten a lot of flack for how he played last season. We're accustomed to Clemson being in the playoff. They had a 10-win season, which people were saying was a down year. But what's their bounce back? Shane Beamer at South Carolina gets Spencer Rattler to come in. There's a lot of momentum around South Carolina. Can they kind of be that next team in the East? Same with Josh Heupel. A lot of hype around him after what he did a year ago. Billy Napier at Florida. There's so many of these newer coaches that have a little bit of momentum that you're waiting to crash the party. Georgia loses seven of their 11 starters to the NFL on defense. I think they're still going to be good. Are they going to be in the top five? I don't know, but they recruit well. You're just waiting for that next team. And every year we have one team that comes out of nowhere that kind of announces themselves as like, hey, I might not make the playoff, but I'm going to damn sure be in the conversation for the entirety of the season. I can't wait to see who that is because I think that there's going to be someone out there. I will say USC still has a lot of holes. I know they're glitzy and glamorous and Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison, their offense is going to be spectacular. How are they up front? I don't know. I think there's, I think Lincoln Riley, I called their spring game, admittedly has some work to do up front, but there's so many storylines to watch outside of the playoff four or five that are just going to be fascinating. I, I think Utah could be that team this year. Utah uh, smack you in the mouth. Although I don't, I don't know that it's fair uh, to say they can't that they've come out of nowhere because uh, I, 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 I think they've kind of been hanging around for a while. Winning has been great for years. Oh, that first game at the swamp. Uh, <laughs> uh, you want to get Billy Napier on an early hot seat? Let Utah do it. Yeah, and and honestly, on paper, I think Utah is the better team. Uh, they might be into that, you know, on paper. So uh, that's going to be very, very interesting to me is is to watch what happens in Salt Lake City this year. Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Matt Berry will be front and center for a lot of it. Again, you can catch him on College Football Final every Saturday, Thursday night football, uh, and probably another dozen gigs that I didn't even slip in there during the during the football be one or two. <laughs> yeah. Matt, uh, I met when I said at the top, I, I think you're one of the best in the business. I appreciate at, it. Thank uh, you guys. Everything you do and uh, look forward to seeing you a couple weeks at the seminar in Charlotte and really appreciate you taking out the time. Anytime gentlemen, good Thank talking you. to you. Good seeing both of you again. Go Cox back in the day in Columbia, go get a slice of pizza, the village idiot. Everybody have a good time. There you go. Thanks for Godfather. So long, Matt. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Again, our thanks to uh, Matt Berry of ESPN. Uh, we've, we've, we've been very fortunate, JC, in, in the last few years in particular. We, we, weren't, we were not able, we were not uh, technologically capable of having a guest the first couple of years of this, but now through mm. 168 episodes uh, and with the advent of Zoom technology, we are able to do a lot more. And it's, I, I, you know, the during the season, 
this podcast, JC and I, we, we know exactly what we're diving into each week and it pretty much runs itself. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't want to totally diminish what we do. There's a little bit of uh, craft to what we do and how we do it. And again, to use that C word again, credibility, uh, I think, you know, if you're, when you're choosing a podcast, by the way, rate us five stars, give us thumbs up and all that mm-hmm. other good stuff. Um, you know, you, you want to go to people that actually have been around the sport for a little bit, but, um, but the off season has become one of my favorite times because we've really, you name a college football guest of credibility. And I think we've had just about everyone out there. Um, and for that matter, even basketball with Jay Billis. Mm-hmm. So to, to, to get Matt and you and I've known Matt for a while, we were all uh, in the same market at the same time doing different things, mind you. Um, and I, I can't say that like we were all just great friends but I always had respect for Matt. Uh, always thought he was very talented and then have watched his ascension. And that's the way it should be. It's not taking some 20 something year old Syracuse kid who's got connections with a network because the bosses there went to Syracuse and then they just put him on uh, TV and give him a great spot or give him a great play by play job on radio. Like Matt paid his dues. Like I always talk about my, my career path. Well, Working in Columbus, Georgia, God bless it, pay, that's paying your dues. But I got to learn about Auburn, Alabama, and Georgia because I talked about all three of those schools every day because the, the city is such it's, – it's so split up between those three programs. Um, and then, and obviously, I, I can't talk about my career without the great times I had uh, in South Carolina and how meaningful that was to me and, and the relationships I still have with people there. Well, Matt bounced around from small markets to mid markets to bigger markets, and then got his chance at ESPN. And it, you know, he didn't just go right into Sports Center. He got this gig and that gig and that gig, and is now where he is now. Which, again, I think when you talk about uh, most prominent uh, college football voices on the ESPN network, particularly of guys that didn't play the game. I mean, obviously, Kirk Herbstreit speaks for himself. Uh, Matt Berry is right up there and uh, doesn't take himself too seriously. And um, again, we really appreciate him take that. That hour just flew, flew right by. So appreciate yeah. Matt joining us and, and tackling a lot of stuff, JC. Think about the greatness in Columbia, South Carolina uh, in the, in the first decade of the two thousands. Yeah. It, myself, yourself, Matt, mm-hmm. uh, Carrie Rich, uh, who's now working at South Carolina and landed a very big recruit for them uh, in basketball, was on the air. Uh, I'm trying to think of more people that uh, that, that really kind of took off. Uh, Alyssa Lang kind of came, I think, up through the university at that time, uh, and she's with the SEC Network now. Yep. Um, South Carolina grad, uh, you know, Columbia market person. So, I mean, shoot, man, there, there was, there was some greatness at that. Yeah, point. no, it was, it was a good run. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, uh, in, in little old Columbia, which is not a, uh, not necessarily a huge media market. And it's know? a, it's a perfect mid-sized market. What made it attractive uh, for me, you know, I'm in my early twenties when I, when I went there uh, at the time, I was the youngest play-by-play guy in the SEC. It was, it was, it was a chance to, to cover and call games for a, a major university in the premier conference. And that's the, that's the attraction for a lot of people now mm-hmm. to a market like that. It's um, you know, again, I think at a time covering Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier, um, yeah. 
you know, I got to go to three World Series because of my time there. Um, my first NCAA basketball tournament, like that, that there's a lot of things and it, it helps me be better at what I do for ESPN. It helps me better for what I do for things like this on this podcast. So uh, I think people are, that's why we always, I always joke around, call it itch, itch your life. When we have a guest like that on, I like to get it into a little bit of the background because most people, again, do have to pay their dues. Uh, sure. They don't have a father with the same last name who, sets them up with a, a great job when they're 25. Like you gotta, you gotta grind. Yeah. You gotta absolutely grind. And the majority of people that go for that broadcasting degree five years later are, are going to be disappointed that they're not going to be in broadcasting mm-hmm. and even less than that are going to be on air. It's just a, a cutthroat business and very difficult to get into and very difficult to stay in. So uh, that might mean nothing to anybody, but I, I speak to a lot of, college students as as you can probably tell about this uh, during my travels around the SEC and talk to uh, different journalism programs and it's the same speech I give uh, give there so I, I like to see people that are not only talented but that have to work and grind in this business uh, it's like any other business you you have the most respect for the people that paid their dues work their ass off and then get breaks um, I think we that's that's America I mean that's what we like to see and um america uh america there we go i love it no it's it's great i I just uh, turned into a patriotic moment i don't know how i went that's amazing mike uh (laughs) you know uh, i uh you said you're talking about america that i I immediately flashed my uh jealousy of you that uh sort of thinking about your, your your road trip when you go uh from atlanta to lexington and yeah and you go past two buckies uh, That's right. and, and that just makes me infuriated. <laughs> I just, I'm like, I get not one, but two, you know, you could stop oh, yeah. and then stop oh, again. Yeah. And for those of you out there that don't know what a Bucky's is, uh, it'll probably come to your state you'll at some find point one. Yeah. and you'll, you'll find one. It's uh it's unreal, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah man, it, it, you gotta work and, and you're right about that. And I, 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 that's what's good to have Matt on. Like, I mean, Matt went to Arizona state, right? Not Syracuse. Like you believe, trust me. The Syracuse on the broadcast side and the Missouri on the print side. Yeah, uh, it's a mafia. There are there are sports editors all over the southeast that look at me now that that that, that don't have um, jobs anymore in <laughs> yeah. newspapers that go. Well, gosh, I wish I'd hired that guy that went to graduated from USC Upstate instead of you know John Q. Mizzou journalism grad uh, because you know this guy has a thriving enterprise now. And, um, and I'm begging people to listen to uh, my podcast. And so they look back at that and, and um, I've always, always thought that that whole in journalism, sometimes, you know, you, you do have the, those reps of those schools and, you know, and it's, it's Syracuse and it's, it's, it's Missouri. And um, it, uh, I look back on it and I'm like, man, I was so disappointed to the point of tears that I didn't get that uh, high school beat writer's job back when I got out of college. And I, then I look back and go, you know, I'm glad I did not get that uh, high school sports beat writer's job back when I got out of college because, uh, you know, I may not even. Uh, oh, I'll tell you, we, if we played that game, wow, uh, you know, <laughs> what I tell people all the time, you have to have thick skin in this business. And yeah. you're, it's just like going out 
uh, for an, uh, an acting role, you know, you're, you're going to be rejected more than you're going to get the role. Yes. And, and, you know, we, we've all been rejected in this business at one point or another for a given gig or, or what have you. Uh, but that's, you, you just have to understand that that's, that's going to be part of it. And the people that you see at the very top of the food chain, I guarantee you, they've all been rejected multiple times in this business. Mm-hmm. So you just, you just, sometimes you never know how that, uh, how that whole thing is going to work out. Um, speaking of America and fine American products, you might've heard me uh, mention at the top blue Delta jeans. That is our uh, presenting sponsor. I got um, introduced to blue Delta I noticed a lot of the coaches were wearing blue Delta jeans. And one of them said, Mike, you need to, you need to sit down and meet these guys. And I did it a few years ago before COVID uh, they're based in Oxford and it's, it's custom made jeans made in America, of course. And like the nicest, best fitting, best looking, uh, durable jeans. And so um, very proud to have those guys on board. They are huge sports fans they have a great product that is beloved by so many people uh, in our business, in the entertainment business, in athletics, and everybody in between. So uh, check them out if you have not uh, already. And we'll link things like the website and Twitter account and all that good stuff. <laughs> I'm fired up about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just, uh, I think, I think of all the sponsors throughout the, our footprint. Um, and, and, and we try to talk about it nationally, but uh, you know, you, you, we've got, with you with the SEC network and uh, our ties to the Southeast, you know, these brands like, like, like Blue Delta, they're tremendous and uh, mm-hmm. they're special, I think. And uh, anyway, I'm just thrilled to death that uh, yeah. Blue, Blue Delta Jeans is a part of the podcast, man. We are, we are very happy, very appreciative of that. And I encourage any of our uh, listeners out there to check them out if you have not already. Um, lots to get to in the next podcast. Media Days did come and go. As usually, yeah, as is usually the case, there's not like you know uh, just bombs that were dropped no. because because UCLA and Southern Cal already made their move. There wasn't an Oklahoma Texas type news story breaking at SEC Media Days. I thought the most uh, important thing out of all that, if you just listen to the 20 minute or so preamble of Greg Sankey, there was a lot in there. You got to listen closely, but oh, there yeah. was a lot in there. He was he was delivering some messages. You might even say he was firing some salvos. Yes. Uh, and again, he is the most prominent and powerful person in college football right now. So he is EF Hutton, to use an antiquated reference. When, <laughs> when, when Sankey talks, people listen. And uh, that honestly, I get more out of that than coach speak and uh, player yeah. speak. And, you know, I, so I, we'll, yeah, Mike Leach and uh, was it Leach and uh, who else did not give a opening statement I, guess <laughs> I, don't, maybe Jim, yeah, I don't have one maybe it was jimbo or, no it was no, leach uh, yeah Lee, it was, no it was leach and then there was uh oh another i one? guess i guess it was a big 10 i guess it, was, it may have been harbaugh at big 10 he just got up and said any questions you know so yeah, I, uh, again it, it we we love media days um and thankfully it was here in atlanta this year oh, yeah. um, i don't go to them every year uh that does make it a little bit easier to, to do a drop in uh, and, and get my fix. But, you know, when I was hosting a daily show, that was automatic. You set up on Radio Row and you had four days of constant interviews to play and, and subject lines. Um, 
but now it's like I watch it on TV. I watch it on the SEC network, a lot of it. Yeah. And just get what I want there and then get kind of the analysis from from the guys and, and gals there do a great job. So uh, for me, uh, I, I'd love to have like this great storyline out of it. I don't really have one, but we will certainly uh, pick up with that and anything that that comes down the pipe. Yeah. I would only say the the biggest news since you and I were on last is that there really hasn't been any news. Uh, yeah. There's been no more movement. There's been a whole lot of rumors. Um I've been steadfast. I don't think Notre Dame's doing anything anytime soon. And all these ACC rumors of schools jumping ship again, I, I know Grant Wright's is, is as foreign to all of us as, uh, you know, uh, Swahili, but what I've learned about it and what I've uh, read about it, it ain't easy to get out of it. And so the ACC did something that was one part good and one part, maybe not so good depending on how you look at it the one part good is they locked into a deal which makes it nearly impossible for schools that want to jump out to actually jump out i know you're shaking your head it's, it's a happen. terrible deal again. no it's a terrible well, deal though I oh mean, yeah I, well, I just can't but, even but, believe. well that but so it's it's bad from the standpoint of if you're clemson florida state miami north carolina and you want to leave it, it sucks for you because it's going to be nearly impossible to do it. Yeah. Uh, but the money is talked about a lot. I would just remind people it's a supply and demand business. That's what the market was saying. Like there was there. Amazon didn't come in there and say, well, double ESPN's deal. Like that didn't happen. It's the ACC. They got what they could get and they got the security to lock those teams up as long as they could. So I actually, I don't criticize the ACC for making the deal that they did. It's the only reason that they haven't had multiple programs jump ship in my estimation. Uh, but the downside is, uh, uh, number one, financially speaking, you're not in the same ballpark as the SEC and the Big Ten. Number two, you still know that there are programs that are playing footsies under the table with other leagues, <laughs> and that's not going away anytime soon. So we'll, oh, no. we'll get into all of that. We'll, yeah, we'll, it's going to be a great discussion. You know. Yeah, we got plenty to talk about next time out. Uh, we've gone over today. Again, our thanks to Matt Berry. For JC, this is Mike Morgan. We will see you next time. Episode 168 is in the books. Talk to you next week, everybody.